Welcome to the official Autodesk Inventor podcast. My name is Garen Gardner. I'm the technical marketing manager for Autodesk Inventor. Today is April 23rd. It's Friday, and we're on episode number 11. So I have a couple of things that I'm going to cover today. We have some news items. I have a couple of technology items, and then some tips and tricks. So with that, let's jump right into the news. So our first news piece today comes from Catalyst and it's a review for Inventor 2008. So as many of you uh, probably know, Inventor 2008 was released a couple of weeks ago, so many of you are probably receiving your copies uh, by the time this podcast goes out. But um, Catalyst did a nice little review on Inventor 2008, talked about some of the new functionality in Inventor 2008, and they gave it a glowing A result, or a a grade of A. Thumbs up. A couple of things that they talked about in here. You know, they talked a little bit about the early days of Inventor and compatibility of AutoCAD. And uh, one of the big things, as you've probably heard for Inventor 2008, is the DWG True Connect. That's the ability to open up DWG files from AutoCAD right inside of Inventor without any type of translation. So if you're new to the podcast and you'd like a little bit more information on this, we actually have a couple of episodes ago, we had a, a uh, episode that was almost fully on DWG True Connect, so you can take a, a listen to that. And here's some of the things with the DWG True Connect. So they, they talked a little bit about that and uh, that it's a bit of a deal changer with uh, the 3D marketplace and some of the things that, uh, that we're doing with that. We're pretty excited there. And uh, talked a little bit about some of the new functionality as far as a drawing manager and also things like uh, isometric dimensions, some of the sketch enhancements. And uh, just a lot of the the great new tools that are inventor uh, in Inventor 2008. So it's it's not a, a very long article, so you know it doesn't have all the fun all the new functionality, but it's it's a nice little article. It's written by Bill Fain. He's a, a contributor to Catalyst, and he's also a professor at British Columbia Institute of Technology. So he's been using Inventor for quite some time. He's used a number of different CAD products, and he's pretty savvy with uh, the manufacturing world. So. Um, definitely is a nice article if you get a chance go go take a listen to it or look at it and see uh, see what he has to say our next article comes from uh, uh, in fact just a, a quick uh, you know quite often I talk about these articles and uh, in the show notes I'll put a link to each of these the last one with uh, the review is on Catalyst and you can do a search for Catalyst Labs review for Autodesk Inventor 2008 but I will put a link in the show notes. Um, the next one comes from uh, Playful.com, uh, Playfuls, and it's actually a, a, a uh, article talking about Autodesk surpassing 8 million licensed users. So this is a nice article that, uh, that talks a little bit about the amount of licensed users that Autodesk has, uh, has had over the years that this year we just hit our 8 million licensed user and that's not just in the manufacturing products that's across uh, across all products so that's AutoCAD some of the the programs like uh, Revit and and some of the building systems civil survey or uh, the, the civil programs as well and then Inventor and AutoCAD Mechanical and AutoCAD Electrical so Autodesk has uh, well over a hundred products so that's all of the different products but that's quite a number to hit 8 million licensed users so we're pretty excited about that, and if you're interested in a little bit more information, you can go out to the show notes and, and get a link to uh, to this particular article. The next article I have comes from Autodesk in the FIRST Robotics competition. Some of you may have followed this a little bit, 
but uh, the first robotics was a competition, well it's a competition each year where high school students are uh, given some criteria to build a robot and uh, they don't really know exactly what their what type of challenge they're going to have at the the end but they they have number of different things uh number of criteria that they have to build this robot to do and then at the end they get information on what type of challenge they'll they'll have to run this robot through so it's quite a successful program and it's great to help some of these students learn uh learn a little bit about ma engineering and manufacturing and you know hopefully steer them towards uh you know more of a, an engineering program. So with that they wanted to broaden this project a little bit and uh, they have a new a new challenge it's called PVC and it's first VEX challenge or F FVC sorry it's the the uh, first VEX challenge and it's similar to the original uh, first robotic competition but this one doesn't require the students to have to do uh, any manufacturing so they're not having to do any welding or CNC machining or things like that they get a kit and they're able to build the robots from there. So this this is uh, this encourages you know a lot more of the younger students to be able to participate, and maybe even schools that uh, that aren't able to supply their their students with you know some of the machines that some of the other schools may have. So this is this is a great op opportunity for you know even more high school students and younger students to participate in. And uh, hopefully, again, we'll get more more manufacturing and engineering students coming out of high school and going into college. So a couple more articles left. Um, some of you may have participated in the past at Autodesk University. It's the the event we have once a year where we have hundreds of different classes amongst all the different divisions in Autodesk. And it's a great way to learn a lot of different things about different products. So if you're using Inventor, you can uh, each day for uh, three or four days you can take different classes. You may take a class about sheet metal, you may take a class about rendering and animation, you may take a class. Uh, we typically have a beta class that you can hear some of the new features coming in the next product. So it's a great place to, to go and hear different things about the, the product. The great thing about that is we also have uh, you as users come and teach classes. So you guys are the real experts, You're, you guys are the ones that are using the product day in and day out and we all have a lot to learn from each of you so this is a, an opportunity that you have if you're interested in coming and teaching a class that uh, they're requesting for proposals different types of classes that, that you may be an expert in and want to teach in so if you're interested I, I'll have a link in the show notes so you'll be able to go out and uh, take a look at what type of, of things you could do and create a proposal and, and, and uh, send it to us now this does need to be done by the end of the month, by the 30th, so it doesn't give you a lot of time. Um, but hopefully if you get a chance, you'll go out and, and take a look at it. And uh, if nothing else, you can see some of the different classes that, that are going on this year and, and maybe participate next year as well. So that's, uh, that's an exciting thing that we're looking forward to. I know many of you have uh, just stopped hearing about Autodesk University from last year. But it's, it's quite a, a process and it's something that we do every year. So the last article I have for this episode is uh, it's our Inventor of the Month. As many of you know, we have an Inventor of the Month that we uh, typically pick that use they use Inventor to design various products. And this month is Big Toys Inc. And they design big play structures for kids, just commercial playgrounds. 
and uh, they, they are uh, very into doing environmentally friendly commercial playground equipment. So if you get a chance, it might be interesting to go out and read a little bit about them. And you know, also if you're interested in, in becoming a manufacturer of the month or a, the inventor of the month, certainly shoot, uh, shoot me an email. And uh, you'll, we have an email at the end of the podcast that uh, you can shoot us an email, give us a, a little overview of why, why your company should be inventor of the month and I can pass that on. So with that, we're done with our news items. We're going to go into some of the technology pieces and then we'll move on to tips and tricks. Alright, so on to technology. I have a couple of items I'm going to talk about in technology. You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier that Inventor 2008 has launched. In fact, many of you have probably uh, received it or will be receiving it shortly. But, uh, you know, the last month or so we've been doing news articles. I, I try to do them each week, but it's the Inventor 2008 countdown. I realize that, Inve that uh, Inventor 2008 is already here, but I still have a couple of articles that I'll be getting out the door in the next couple months, well, next couple weeks, maybe till the end of the month. And uh, if you keep an eye, you'll be able to, to see some of the things each, each uh, article that we talk about. So... You know, some of these that we've talked about, DWG True Connect, some of the sheet metal functionality, some of the sketching enhancements. So if you go out to our, our blog and look at the In the Machine, you'll be able to see each of these. Right now we're up to, uh, I believe I'm up to, to number 12 for the Inventor 2008 countdown. You'll be able to see each of these that, uh, that we talk about. And you'll be able to uh, to gleam a little information as far as what's in the what's in the new release, and maybe areas that uh, that you may not have been aware of. And you also, if you've received the product, there is a what's new PDF file that you'll be able to go out and pull up if you've installed the product, and see all the new functionality there as well. So that is our our first article. So the last news piece we have comes from Blue Ridge Numerics. They have a new update to their product, their CF Design product. Uh, it's up to version 9 and it's available now for Autodesk Inventor 2008. For those of you that are interested in, in testing your fluid flow and heat transfer challenges, this is a great product for you to do that within Inventor. So I'll uh, have a link in the show notes. You can get an update to see what's new in the product and uh, basically what what the functionality of this is but it's a great little product and works with Inventor and a very full-fledged product if you're doing any type of fluid flow or heat transfer so with that that concludes our news and let's move on to uh, an interview so last month I had a chance to go to Salzburg Austria for an Autodesk event and I was able to sit down with Gerald Hakanaga and he, he's one of our Autodesk developers for uh, primarily for sheet metal so I thought it'd be a great one to, to have on and talk a little bit about some of the things that he does and give you a chance to, to see what some of the developers do here at Autodesk. So he actually still lives over in Austria. He for some time lived in the United States and then moved back to Austria where he grew up. But uh, I'm just going to run the interview, let you listen to what he has to say. And you know this is something that we try to do more and more interviews. If you like the interviews or if you'd like to hear from a particular group within Autodesk, whether it's you know, developers or some of the product designers or uh, maybe even other users, you know, definitely shoot me an email. My There's an email at the end of the podcast. You'll be able to get that and send me feedback. Definitely do that. But um, with that, I'm just going to turn some time over to Gerald and in the interview and uh, go from there. 
So today I have Gerald with us. He's one of the developers from Autodesk. And uh, I'm going to turn some time over to him to tell us a little bit about who he is and some of the things that he's working on. Gerald? Hello, uh, my name is Gerald Tokenauer, or uh, Gerald Tokenauer in my native language. I'm originally from Austria. And I had the great opportunity to uh, move to the United States and, and work for Autodesk for the past six years. Uh, I've spent three years in San Diego with Autodesk San Diego developing uh, early sheet metal. And uh, later on, I've been transferred to Portland, where I was from 2003 to 2006. And uh, I've been working on all sorts of projects for Autodesk in, in the part modeling environment there. So that's a bit about me here. Great, Gerald. So uh, what release did you first start in? Do you remember? Uh, actually, um, I was a consultant for... I think R3 already and uh, got employed at the late stage of R3. Great. Well, so, you know, we've got, uh, we're in Inventor 11 right now and just about ready to release Inventor 2008. Maybe you could tell us some of the things that you've worked on in the last couple of years and some things that uh, some of our users would, would know of, from you. Well, um, I was one of the people who uh, were pushing for rewriting the unfolder. Uh, to allow for uh, further development to build a strong basis for being able to unfold more complex parts and take sheet metal to the next level. Um, I've also worked on the corner feature. I've uh, worked on cut across bend and punch tools, just to name a couple of the areas I've been involved with. Great. So the uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the unfolder. That's something that we licensed for a while, and then there are, there are reasons for future development that we wanted to extend that. So maybe there's anything else to add to that? Okay, so um, we, we licensed a third party to to our unfolding before, and, and it was the right thing to do. It was uh, a good way to get an unfolder into the product when we needed one. And um, it had its limitations, though, because of the way it was built. And, and we basically took a 3D part and reduced it to a 2D sketch, and then we tried to rebuild the 3D part from it. So we went down a new route and uh, integrated an unfolder into our shape manager kernel. Um, and uh, with that, we now take the part and copy it and basically deform it so it becomes flat. And all the information that was on the original model survives that process. So there's a fundamental difference there. Are there great advantages right now to the new unfolder, or what was you know what was the underlying theme for that? Well, there's certain class of problems that that we had before, especially with having fillets on the outside or chamfers on the outside of the flat pattern part, that uh, caused incorrect extents with with the previous unfolder, and uh, also having uh, cuts at an angle through the sheet metal part they now get the true representation where before you got uh, some ambiguous result that wasn't necessarily uh, obvious to the user and he found out much later that there was a problem and then with the new unfolder we are able to prevent that so I think that's a good benefit and will save our customers money in the end. I'm sure they won't complain about saving money at all. Uh, are there other areas that, uh, other than the unfolder that you've worked on in the last couple of releases you could maybe expound on a little bit? I've did some work in the 3D sketch and uh, in the sketch environment. Uh, I've done some conceptual work for in what uh, direction we're going we're gonna to develop sheet metal. 
Well, I thought I might slip you up and get a little bit, uh, some more secrets from you, but it doesn't sound like it. But it uh, sounds like you did some, some work also with cut across bends and some other areas that might be interesting to get any more information on. Cut across bend was a particular exciting project because none of our competitors have uh, the same functionality and uh, we actually hold a patent on that now. So um, I was very excited to, to do that new, to walk down that new path and then um, I think anybody who, who develops software can can imagine that this is a strong motivation for anybody involved. Uh, we, we did some changes to cut across bend uh, just recently to allow for partial cuts, not just through the whole sheet metal part. And um, we want to, you know, do some under the hood work on that and incorporate the technology of the new unfolder into it um, to make it even better. So these are some areas I'm working on right now. Great. So did I understand you correctly that you own a patent yourself now? Actually, no, that's not the way it works. Uh, you know, I'm a, a devoted employee and of course the patent belongs to Autodesk and uh, it's a good thing because uh, it allows us to uh, stay ahead of our competition and, and, you know, it's the success of the company that's most important. Great. Well, I'm sure many are excited to hear some of the sheet metal capabilities and enhancements. I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add before we end the interview. Well, um, I just uh, want to state that Autodesk is a very successful and exciting company, and it's a pleasure to work with uh, people that are as talented as, as many of these Autodesk, Autodesk employees are. It's It's been a real, real uh, good experience to be employed with this company and work with the people that uh, I met in this uh, role. So uh, I, I'd like to say hello to all my co-workers and friends and uh, I thank you for, for all your devotion and your effort that you put into the product and uh, uh, I just can tell everybody uh, that, that it's really exciting to work in a team like that. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks for your time while we're here in Salzburg, Austria. Well, I'd like to thank Gerald for taking the time to sitting down with me and talking to me a little bit about what he does and some of the uh, some of the things that he's worked on, and hopefully that was beneficial for you guys. The last item of the podcast we're going to talk about is tips and tricks, and I realize that's probably what most of you really like to hear and, and get involved in, so we'll jump into that. I've got a couple of different things I'm going to cover during tips and tricks. Um, the first one, we're going to talk a little bit about weldments. We're going to talk a little bit about 3D grips. And then we'll spend the remainder of the time on the construction environment. So with that, let's jump over to weldments. So for weldments, I have an article that was written back in October 2005, although uh, everything that's in there is very pertinent to today still. Uh, but it's, it's optimizing weldment design and documentation. I believe this was written by Kevin Schneider. It was uh, out on Catalyst for some time for tips and tricks. And then we've also recently posted it to the manufacturing portal. But um, basically the, the weldments, many of you have probably created weldments if you weren't familiar with the weldments in Inventor. You can create an assembly, just a, a regular assembly using the, the normal template file. And then when you're ready to create weldments, you can actually go to the convert pull down in the assembly and click on weldment. And what that'll do is basically open up a couple new uh, nodes in your browser that will allow you to do pre and post machining operations and add weld beads. You can also start out with a weldment template that all of this is already activated. But uh, once you go into the weldment environment, 
you'll notice that you get a new panel bar that will have a lot of the standard assembly features that you're familiar with like extrude, revolve, hole, sweep, loft, fillet, chamfer, actually not loft, but uh, fillet, chamfer, and then some of the uh, patterning capabilities. You also have some new tools that, uh, such as a fillet weld, a uh, cosmetic weld, a groove weld, and a weld symbol. Also an end fill. So these are a number of different types of welds that you can go into the environment and create various welds and the nice thing about this is depending on what type of weld you create there's a weld node in the browser that you can see each of those welds you can also add the annotation in there as well so when you go back to the documentation side if you create a DWG or IDW file you can actually retrieve that information and that's all associative to the 3D model so if you make a change to the weld in the 3D model the annotation automatically updates as well so it's a it's a great environment. Um, this document the uh, the document that I'll put a link in the show notes to talks a little bit about a fillet weld, the groove and gap welds. It kind of goes through each of these. A cosmetic weld. It may be that you want to have a true representation of a fillet weld. So you may want to be able to to see how much rod you would need. You can gauge the volume of of a particular fill uh, weld bead, or you can do a report and figure out all of the the, the volume of all the welds in your assembly. Uh, you also have the ability to do just a cosmetic weld which would be just a, a edge representation that you can still add a annotation you can add the annotation to so it wouldn't necessarily add any material to your model but it would allow you to see all this information in your drawing. And then there are a couple of other different types as well and then the, the different weld annotation. So some, uh, it's a nice piece of, of documentation that, sh well, a nice, nice document that shows you a lot of the different things in the weldments. And if you're not familiar with weldments, it's a great way to, to go in and see some of the functionality that's in Inventor. And if you have Core Inventor, this is, it, this is in all the different packages. So uh, it's a, quite a nice, nice piece of functionality, especially uh, if you're using the frame generator and need to weld any of these things together. This is really nice and then coupled with the weld calculator from some of our design accelerator tools you can also figure out if a weld is going to be strong enough for you know wherever you're putting it so take a look at the document I'll post a link in the show notes to be able to go out and, and see it uh, the next item we're going to talk about is getting acquainted with 3D grips and this was one that was posted about the same time it was October 2005 this is one that I actually did uh, back then and uh, this basically we just had introduced 3D grips to Inventor which we've added more and more functionality since then but this is a nice little overview on what grips do you may have seen different colors when you've accessed grips and wondered what they mean and those of you that may not be familiar with the grips uh, you can select a feature and now in 2008 if you pick a feature you'll see a little green dot on the face if you pick that it'll enable grips and then you can grab uh, different edges and drag them around to update them similar to what you would do in AutoCAD if you're using Inventor 10 or 11 you can actually select a feature right click and go into uh, enable 3D grips so this uh, this will allow you to move the features around it allow you to stretch them to get bigger or smaller if they have parametric dimensions or equation well dimensions with equations attached to them 
there are different rules in the application options that you can turn on so that if you have an equation and, and drag it won't break that equation it'll maintain it it won't let you drag that or it can prompt you to ask you if you want to break the equation and drag it to a new size so there's some nice promptings in there that uh, you're not going to mess up something that you weren't aware of and um, with that it just shows you some of the settings in here you know as you're dragging it it snaps to a particular increment and the uh, document goes through and shows you the the document settings where it's pulling the snap setting from so if you want to change the snap setting it defaults to one millimeter I believe maybe that you only want it to to snap to five or ten millimeters or a quarter of an inch or an inch increments so you can go in and, and change the document setting for that it's actually in the the part document if you go into document settings and then the model tab you'll notice that there's a 3d snap spacing you can go in there and change the spacing and that's what the the grips are using to get their snap spacing so uh... Anyway, take a look at the document. It's it's a nice little document. It talks about the, the grip editing and it shows you how you can grab a feature and move it around, even snap it to different faces and it'll show you how it infers actual constraints. So you can grab a cylinder from one face, drag it to another face, and if you drag it to an edge, it's going to create a coincident or a tangent constraint from the underlying sketch to that edge. So it's pretty intelligent how it does this and uh, give you a pretty good idea how you can use this. And it allows you to easily grab features and, and drag them around and make changes to them. Uh, also, the document talks a little bit about the feature generator. So many of you may or may not be aware, if you go into Content Center, there's a feature tab or a feature, uh, uh, a feature uh, window. And what that'll allow you to do is go in and find a number of different types of features like uh, cylinders and cones and arcs or uh, a jog. There, uh, there's probably about 15, 20 different features in here that you can pull in and start modifying different parameters of them. And then coupled with the grips, it's very powerful. You can pull them in, stretch them, make them bigger, smaller, snap them to various edges and uh, they're, they're pretty usable so especially if you're a new inventor user this is a great way to build things pretty quickly and then you can also modify things and, and actually add some of the constraints to them so hopefully you'll, you'll get a be able to take a look at that and see some nice nice capabilities with that and that'll help you out with some of the grip editing uh, like I said during 11 and 2008 there have been some enhancements so they're a little bit easier to to find in inventor 2008 but in Inventor 11, you can just pick a feature and right-click and go to the enable the 3D grips. So that takes us to the last tip and trick portion. All right, so the last thing that I'm going to cover is the construction environment. And many of you that import in various uh, SAT step IGES files may already be familiar with this, and many of you may not be aware of it. Uh, when you import in different types of files, you may run into issues where uh, surfaces aren't uh, aren't tolerant as you need. You may need to go in and make changes to them. It may be that uh, you're using a surface for some type of tooling operation and, and it has a bunch of holes that you don't necessarily want. Uh, or you know if you're subtracting material from one, one part from another and you need to use an imported surface and it's got holes, you may need to clean them all up before you can do a subtract from uh, from the solid model. So a number of reasons why you would need some type of construction environment and you know a lot of the CAD products basically have you do all the operations in a regular part environment so you're adding a, a, a lot of extra features to your browser when really you want to be able to go into a sandbox and just clean up the holes 
uh, maybe change the tolerant of some of the the surfaces but not add a bunch of extra features to your browser you know that clutter sings up if you really don't need those in there and it also adds more overhead to the part and it slows the the product down so one of the things that we did in inventor is add a construction environment it's kind of a sandbox that allows you to go in clean up your surfaces add additional information and you can do it without adding uh, extra features to your browser so you can really go about it either way you can do it in the regular part and use tools like the the boundary tool that allows you to just put a surface in uh, with uh, you know from an n-sided patch or you can go into the construction environment and make some changes so a scenario that I have I have a car body panel and it's got some issues with one of the surfaces that I want to clean up and I also may want to fill in some holes so I can use this for tooling so if I open this up as an IGES file I see in my browser that I have three surfaces they're actually composite surfaces and uh, you, you, there are a couple of different types of surfaces that we have and if you want to read up a little bit you can look at regular surfaces and composite surfaces but in this case just for a light overhead I want to be able to use composite surfaces are a little bit faster and you know I can't use them for operations like thicken but I can use them to constrain with and I can use them for some of the tooling operations so with this I import it and I can see I have three different surfaces and they're actually three different parts well I'm gonna grab one of those parts in the browser and I'm just gonna right click on it and tell it to copy to construction so you'll notice that I have a construction folder and the geometry that I just copied there now shows up in uh, underneath the folder as a different node and I can see here it says that there it's surface 33 so there's 33 surfaces on this particular part that I copied so from here if I want to make some design changes I can see that two of the surfaces have a green checkbox next to them the one that I just copied to the construction environment has a little eye next to it it means that there are some issues with this particular surface now in the past we couldn't really create drawings or do anything with this however now in 2008 uh, I can still use this to create uh, I can create drawings off of it even if there are some tolerant issues with uh, with this particular surface however if I want to go in and see what's going on with it I can copy it to the construction environment and then I can right click on the construction folder and I can do edit construction so now I'm actually changing my environment similar to going into the sketch environment or a weldment environment and I now can see the uh, the surfaces that I want to work on so I'm gonna go down to the surface 33 and I'm going to tell it that we want to do a quality check so I'll notice that my browser changes and I have different tools in there I'll take a look at the quality check and I can I can come in here and do an examine and it'll analyze my surfaces and it'll come back and tell me that there's one issue with this and I can see underneath my modeling uncertainty that it actually highlights the surface if I pick on it it tells me body ID 1837 so it shows me the surface that has problems and I can even come in and refit the face so it looks at the tolerance and it's going to see if it can refit this and I can bump up or bump down the tolerance so it may be that uh, you know I just want it to readjust the surface to fit in here and I can tell it that uh, we'll readjust it and hit done and I notice now that there's no eye next to the surface it fixed it and it's ready to go however it may be that on one of these other surfaces I want to remove some material so you know the construction environment for uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier for the tooling it may be that I have a bunch of holes on one of these surfaces that I want to remove you know I want to do a split operation on a solid body with this particular surface and I can't do that with some of these extra holes 
So I don't necessarily want to go into the part and just put a bunch of boundary surfaces in there and, and make my browser a, a lot bigger. I just want to go in and clean it up a little bit. So we'll grab one other work surface and I'm just going to copy it to the construction environment. So even while I'm in the construction environment, I can still select some of those other surfaces, right click and tell it to copy them to construction. So I can see the new one that I just copied over and it has a bunch of holes in there that I want to get rid of. So one of the things that I may do is uh, go in and remove some of those holes. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the tools in the construction panel. We already hit on the quality check. That'll just look and see if there are issues with the surface and allow us to change the tolerance to fix those problems. And I also have the ability to stitch a surface. So it may be that I have uh, six surfaces that would make up a box. I can stitch them together to be one surface. And then from there, when I promote this back to my regular part environment, it'll create a solid body out of it if I choose. I also have the ability to unstitch so if I have a, a bunch of surfaces that came in stitched together I can unstitch them and then work on individual surfaces. I have the ability to reverse normals so those of you that work in surfaces you may know that there's two different sides there's kind of an up and a down on surfaces and depending on what type of operations we do this can make a difference. So in here we can go in and select individual surfaces and tell it we want to reverse the normals on those. That's a, a new feature with, uh, within the last couple of releases. We also have the ability to extend faces. So again, you know, it may be that we're doing some tooling operations and we want this surface to extend past our solid model so we can remove material with a split. And we may need to extend kind of all those radiating surfaces out past the solid model. So you could do an extend operation, it'll extend each of these surfaces out in, uh, in the distance that you specify. And then there's also an intersect faces, and this is similar to a trim command that you can tell it to, to uh, extend, well, it, it'll, you can trim a couple of surfaces back if they intersect one another, or there are a couple of different, uh, different operations that you can do with that. If you notice, there's a couple of methods that you can trim or you can break. So if there are a couple of surfaces that extend, you can say break them so they're you know two different surfaces instead of just a, a single surface, or it'll actually trim them. And I, I think about this very similar to the trim command in AutoCAD or regular 2D Inventor. Um, the next one is, and some of some of the the, the last four uh, are really powerful and they have some really nice uses, although you may not uh, be aware of some of these types of tools. One of them is called an edit region and what this allows you to do is take a particular surface that uh, there may be kind of a boundary of edges that you want your surface to be fit to but it may be that when it brought it over maybe the tolerant was off a little bit and you know maybe there's a problem with one of the edges it's not touching so if you try to do a, a uh, subtract you know if you try to split apart with it it can't do it. Well what this allows you to do is select the surface that you want to to readjust and basically it untrims it. You can select the outer edges that you want it to, to be retrimmed to and it'll recreate the surface based on those outer boundary edges. So it'll kind of extend it to all those edges and clean it up. So this is kind of a one-step process for cleaning a, a surface that may, may not be touching all the outer regions that it should be touching. I found this very useful when I'm working in uh, problematic models. You also have the ability to extract a loop so this may be uh, 
if you want to uh, untrim a surface, you know, oftentimes when you bring in surfaces that are already trimmed, this allows you to select that surface and untrim it, and then you can manually trim it if you so choose later. So this uh, this is a great little tool again if you want to just clean things up and uh, and do some of these operations manually. This is where the extend face comes in really handy if you untrip a, untrim a surface, and then you can go in and extend some of the outer boundaries and then retrim it or re-clean it up. So a lot of, of tools that allow you to just simply clean up imported geometry. Um, and then as I mentioned you have the, the extend faces and the boundary trim which allows you to go in and trim up some of these things. And then one of the new features added to Inventor 2008 was a boundary patch. This is something that was added into Inventor a little while ago that you were able to just select a number of different edges and create an end-sided patch that would blend all those edges together. This is something that was added to the construction environment and makes it really easy just to go in and uh, select a couple of, of edges that would create a, a boundary and create a, a nice surface in there. So with that, that's a, a number of great tools that you can use. Um, you know, one of, one of the tools that I really like and use quite often is the, the edit region. You know, that allows me to go in and actually, sorry, the extract loop. Uh, that allows me to go in and select my holes. You know, so I mentioned a little bit earlier that you may have a surface that has a bunch of holes and you just want to fill them in. Well, you can go in with the extract loop and select those holes or slots and it'll automatically chain all the way around. You hit apply and it'll automatically fill those in. And the boundary patch is also similar, but you can control the tangency on it. So once you've filled all those in, you may want to go in and do a stitch, grab all the surfaces, and with that you can right-click and say select all, or uh, you can just pick all the different surfaces you want individually, stitch it together, and then once you're done with everything, you can right-click on kind of the containing surface, or the, the containing uh, feature in the browser that has all the surfaces, and you can tell it that you want to stitch them together. And that'll go in and analyze and stitch all these surfaces together. And then once you've done that, you can actually re-promote these back to the part environment. So as I mentioned, this is just a, a really great way to be able to import in surface geometry and go and clean it up and do a lot of work without having to have all the features show up in the browser. There are times where that's really handy and you just don't necessarily need to see all that overhead. Um, I've also used this in at times uh, to be able to, uh, it may be that I create a loft and I want to do some operations to it, but I don't necessarily want to see all the, the geometry in the browser. I'll copy, I can right click on the surface, copy it to my construction environment and do it with regular inventor geometry as well. So as I mentioned, it's a very powerful tool. Hopefully you'll be able to go in and use it and play with it and get familiar with some of the capabilities and know that if you import in geometry from other CAD products that have problems, you can easily go in and fix and, uh, and, and fine tune those. So hopefully you enjoy. It's uh, three nice little tips and tricks that uh, can help you out. And I would also encourage you if you're going out to our, uh, our blog that we have tips and tricks that we post out there quite often as well. And if you have tips and tricks yourself that you'd like to post, you can do that on the manufacturing community. And also you can email me with the, uh, the email at the bottom of the, the show notes that uh, you can give me various feedback. You can also, if you've got things that you think would be of interest to other users, let me know and we'll see if we can get those in the podcast as well. And that is inventor.blog.feedback at autodesk.com and that'll come directly to me. So hopefully you've enjoyed yet another podcast and uh, we'll see you next month. <laughs>